Hey, this is Yannick Silver, and I'm here to inspire you, maybe even catalyze you a bit to, to get you to go even bigger with your dreams and, and get you to, to just go give bigger with what you care about and how you want to make an impact and what's going to be meaningful for you in your world. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Before we get started today though, this is a quick reminder that we are launching our Go Big to Give Big membership. If you are looking to get around people that are more excited about talking about the impact they are making in this world more than the cars they are buying, then you're going to want to go check out GoBigToGiveBig.com to get more information and join the most philanthropic group of entrepreneurs out there. Now, back to the show. All right. I am so excited to welcome the founder and CEO of the Maverick 1000 and author of one of my all-time favorite books, The Evolved Enterprise, Yannick Silver. Yannick, thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, Randy. Yeah. Excited to, uh, to talk to you about this stuff. This is going to be special for me. I got into the giving space a few years ago with businesses and understanding how it all worked. And then I just got introduced to your book, The Evolved Enterprise, probably six months ago. And as I was reading your book, I was like, holy smokes, this guy talks like me, he thinks like me, and he explains <laughs> this concept 10 times better than I do. And you've been doing this for a lot longer than I have. But once we got connected, it was amazing. But I'd love for you to start just by sharing, how did you get involved in the, I'll call it socially responsible or philanthropic entrepreneurial space quite a few years ago before it was even cool and mainstream. Yeah. And so I started as a copywriter. So it's going to be interesting throughout this interview. So I want to, I want to even unpack a few words too, yeah. even like, you know, socially responsible and giving back is another big one for me. Yeah. So we'll definitely get to that. But where, so I started, as I said, copywriter, I actually ended up, I worked for my dad's business for a long time. Family's Russian immigrants came over when I was three. My dad started a medical equipment sales and service company. And so at 14, I was telemarketing at 16, I was out on the road cold calling because that was the only way I got a car. And it really sucked. I'm talking to 50, 60-year-old doctors as a 16, 17-year-old kid. <laughs> but my doctors turned me on to Jay Abraham and then some other stuff. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting because now I could write a letter, write an ad and have doctors raise their hand and be like, oh, I'm interested in this EKG machine or this exam table or whatever we were selling. We sold like 250 different uh, manufacturers. And so I was fascinated by that. So then I just wanted to learn everything I possibly could on that. Uh, and then I started working with some doctor clients and helping them with their own marketing. And, and then one thing led to another. And then I saw the internet was like starting to happen. This was late 99. I didn't, I didn't have a, uh, an email address or anything like that. And I'm like, oh, I feel like there's something I could do here. And I ended up selling my own materials, products online, especially a lot of it was based on my the work I'd done with my, my dad, a few other clients. And I started something called instant sales letters. And they're little mm -hmm. fill in the blank sales letter templates, and they start working really well. And then people are like, "Hey, how did you? How did you do that? What did? What did you do?" And then I, I start teaching people how to take their information and knowledge and sell it online. And so you'll like this. So I ended up doing 
a seminar, my very first seminar event. It was 500 people. It was called Yannick's 30th birthday bash. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to, I, I always think a lot about like, how do I make things different? Because at that point, there's a lot of kind of the same people already teaching internet marketing, doing the same kind of seminars, even back then. I can't remember the year it was. And, but I'm like, I'm going to do it completely different. It's going to be $50 to get in the door. That's going to support make a wish. And that's oh. the, your only cost to get in there. And, and so we worked with the make a wish foundation and, and which by the way, this is one of the secrets is we worked with make a wish central Florida. So it's in Orlando and it's a lot easier right. than make a wish national totally. and working with them. And we brought 500 people there. We raised $25,000 for them. Wow. And, and it was just so much fun. Like we, it was a bit of an experience. We served everyone these tiny slivers of cake because I didn't <laughs> expect that many people. And, and so it was really fun. I brought my, some of my friends out there and they talked about what was going on in the internet marketing world. And we had uh, Mickey Mouse come out and sing me happy birthday. And, <laughs> but that was the first time that, that I'm like, ah, huh, there's something here. And, and it was just a great way of, at that point, quote unquote, giving back. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. And that's something I think is so underrated is how easy it is to actually create some sort of giving in your life is by literally just hosting a birthday party and telling people that it's 50 bucks to come and putting a, maybe you're not doing 25,000, but even if you do 2,500 and you're able to make that donation, it's just a very easy, simple way to start getting that feeling, which you probably first felt that once you get that little bit of giving, it starts to get a little bit addicting of, I actually really enjoyed how I felt writing that check or having the people come in and talk or whatever it looked like. Yeah. It's funny. Then now I'm just like thinking back to it. So Scott Harrison, who created Charity Water, that's the yep. way he started Charity Water was a birthday party. And he's like, I don't want birthday presents. Right. And he was done with the whole thing and the whole nightlife promotion that he was doing before. And he said, I'm going to do this thing. And then that created Charity Water. But I, I can't remember who I learned this from. It might've been Brian Tracy or someone else. I, you know, I was a big fan of, I think I, I definitely learned from Brian Tracy, like create a university on wheels. And I took that really right. literally by just putting at that point it was tapes, listening to tapes <laughs> ongoing, could have been Earl Nightingale, could have been Jim Rohn, could yep. have been these deans of personal growth and development. And they were talking about one of them, I'm sure about tithing and this whole yep. idea of a percentage. And that was one of the things that we did with our publishing company originally. It was just like, it wasn't out there. I didn't put it up on their website. It wasn't yep. that big thing. It was just very quietly. I'd send checks for a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars to different charities. And they're like, whoa, what is this for? And that was always a fun response and one of my favorite things. And then you start trying to get a little bit more, I think, strategic about it and, and think about what is your giving philosophy and how how is it not just random and, and scattershot? Yeah, getting organized with your giving is something that I've spent a lot of time working on right now because a lot of people love the idea of making impact or doing some sort of giving in their business or life, but they get too complicated with it. It gets too big. They don't really know what to do. And, and then it just doesn't get consistency. Getting consistency has been a key for so many organizations that I found is like, hey, that's where the one-for-one -one model came in that Tom's shoes really blew up. It's just so simple and easy. Every time you buy a pair of shoes, I'm going to give a pair away as opposed yeah. to, oh yeah, I'll just write a check for a thousand dollars here or a few thousand there. Oh, we made some more money this month. When you attach them to the revenue models, it's easier to see and scale. How did you find that as you started to build these models into your businesses? Did you start with a one-for-one -one model, a percentage model, or did you eventually just, how did you get to the model that you're currently or were using at that time with your marketing? Yeah. Originally, yeah, it was originally, like I said, very, it was just for us. It was a percentage. I think yeah. it was 5% of all revenue. We would just donate out and the whole umbrella was around entrepreneurship. And I still, that's to me, I, I believe that 
business and entrepreneurship can be the biggest lever to make the greatest difference in the world. And so I'm looking at, that's why there's groups that I've supported for, you know, 20 some years, like one is called Village Enterprise, where they work with in East Africa, they've expanded now where like micro enterprises, where they'll train micro enterprises and it's more of a seed funding model for training, but it's really that providing it's a hand, I don't know, a, a, instead of a, a hand out, a hand off essentially, yep. like it's the, that, that notion that, that, so I'm very big on that. It's like, how do we create this, these perpetual virtuous cycles and what can that look like? And so that's why I like those kind of organizations. And you mentioned the one-for-one -one model. It's really interesting. So I have 11 different impact models that I talk about in Evolved Enterprise that I've studied and thought a lot about. And the one-for-one, -one, so I had a chance. So Blake and I are our are, are colleagues and friendly. We started Tom's. And, and so I got to interview him at one point. And so he, at that point, it was a couple of years back, they had given away 35 million pairs of shoes. So significant amount. And he never expected it to be that big because <laughs> yeah. it turbocharged his their marketing. And, and that's yeah. what happens when you really combine these together in the right way. And, and I always caution people about not thinking of it as I started in the marketing space, right? And so everything can be looked at as a tactic. And it's like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna make this because I, I see that this could actually improve our sales conversions or or whatever it is. And and yes, it can. But the big caveat is if it doesn't come from this genuine place or an alignment, it's going to backfire on you in, in some way, shape or form, or it's just never going to be really genuine. And, and so like with Blake, with Tom Shoes, they were getting into some trouble be, and, and rightfully because, you know, what happens is they would have to do a shoe drop, like the logistics of the amount of shoes that they were giving away yeah. were tremendous. And so then it was taken away marketplace from a, you know, wherever they were going into yeah. a developed country. And so the local shoe, whatever cobbler shoe maker yeah. was like out of work for six months or, or a year or whatever, because, and then, so they tried to do some things to update that model, but as Blake told me, he never expected it to get that big. And so yeah. a lot of people that's become a de facto model in a way. And they're like, okay, we're going to yeah. do buy one, give one in. And it doesn't work for everything and it's not the right one. And when it does work, it works great. Bamba socks, if you've yep. seen them, they're a good example of that because the two founders are like sitting around one day and watching TV and they're like, socks are the, one of the number one items most requested at shelters, at homeless shelters. Mm -hmm. And they looked at each other, like, donated a bunch of socks. We could start a sock company that makes even, that does buy one, give one model. Yep. But they're, the, they're giving sock is specially designed for giving. Yeah. It's like a dark color. It's uh, reinforced seams, it's uh, antimicrobacterial, it's designed specifically for that environment. And what's fascinating is one of the guys, he's, we sell a million, uh, million socks, I'm going to get the tattoo of our logo, and, and I think it'll be in 10 years. And it took him like, I think, two and a half years. So it, it just accelerated how fast they grew. And then they got funding from Damon John on Shark Tank. And now they, they've yeah. really gone up in a big way. And because... I talk about this in the book too, and this is happening all around. So there's a seismic shift. It's not a trend. It's not a, a fad. It's a seismic shift that's happening and it's happening from the inside out and the outside in. And outside in is people want to buy from companies that have more meaning. So they want to vote with their wallets in some way. They want to have a, an opportunity where it's like, all right, I could buy this sock or I could buy this sock. And then it's it gets down to who has the better story and who is genuine and who is authentic yeah. in what they're doing because the brand loyalty is not as high anymore. Like I'm going to, I'm going to switch what sock I, I wear, yeah. especially if I know I can have a, a meaning in some way. 
So it's coming from that outside in. So the consumer buying behavior is changing. And then inside out, team members want to work for companies that have a greater purpose and meaning. Statistics around all that are crazy. And I know you have some of them in the yeah. book. And guys, we're talking about this book. It's probably the number one book I've read on um, whatever you want to call this of social enterprise or however you want to frame it into this space. But um, it is so powerful when you start looking. I just saw a stat the other day that said 94% of millennial females are more likely to uh, trust a brand that had or shared about their giving initiative or their social responsibility initiative. 94% circled the box and said, yes, I will trust a brand more or want to buy from a brand more. That's an astonishing number. That's not just like a quarter of the people. That is a huge amount of people that are saying we want to see more of this. Yeah. And so let's break that down a little bit because, as I said, it has to come from this aligned place and a yep. genuine spot. And so when you, I, I want to tackle what is this called? And at some point, so a trend or uh, a report on predictions, so 20 predictions for the 2020s. And one of the, the predictions that I have is within this decade that businesses like this idea of, Evolved enterprise, triple yeah. bottom line, conscious capitalism, social good, whatever we call it, is just going to be called business because it's almost like hundred percent. It's just the way business is going to be done. And there's so many different levers where it gets exciting to think about what what a business can do and where it can make that difference and that impact. So if we break down that stat that you just gave us, about ninety four percent of millennial uh, women are, are more likely to trust a brand that talks about openly about their giving. It's interesting because as a marketer, you could seize on that and be like, all right, we're going we're gonna to add this thing. And then what happens is you can all of a sudden get some backlash where, where it's like, oh, what are you doing on this supply chain thing? Or what are you doing on, on, on this thing? And then they're like, oh, and then just, they'll just shrink out. And, but so it, it, it's this double-edged sword because it's going to create more, more brand engagement. I talk about it's almost like creating zealots if you do it right. Like it, it creates a community of, of buyers that want to buy more from you and spread the word about it. And you're going to have more, more scrutiny, which is okay because if you're taking it from a place of, okay, we can, like, we're, we're willing to listen, we're willing to be transparent or as transparent as possible and take in feedback and then continually make refinements and evolve then that's fine. But knowing that it, you, you are going to get some more looks. And, and again, it's good. I think it, it drives what you're doing with, with how do we, how we look at all the aspects of our business. Yeah. I have two things I want to dive in here. One, what you just mentioned is going to take me into the Maverick 1000, which is, hey, how do you actually go deeper into this instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to donate X amount. How do you actually start building that whole supply chain on the back end? I know in the Maverick 1000, you spend a lot of time working collectively on how to, from beginning to end, actually support that. But I want to talk a little bit about this marketing thing and the genuinity of it. How do you, like, I guess my question is like, how are we going to separate the people that are using this for a marketing ploy? Because they're like, hey, I'm going to get 94% more capture versus the people are like, wow, I really want to make impact. And because I want to make impact, I'm going to get the 94% coming my way. How do you separate between the two of them or know that brands that are going to be doing one for good and one for, for a pure profit and business? Yeah. I think it's going to come from, it's like the long term, right? Like right. there are companies that can be this, the flash in the pan kind of thing where it's like that immediate thing, but then they're, they're, they don't have staying power. And so this gives you staying power when you're, when it is really connected to you. But I think also Randy, what, you know, is a good thing to look at and explore is like, how do you come up with it? And I know in your work, 
I'm sure there's a lot of like questions about what what do we support or what do we care about or what. And yeah. so in, in the evolved enterprise model, the, the first part is actually working on yourself. It's evolving yourself. So there's a lot of, and that's a never ending process, but the more you can dig into who you really are and, and what do you want to do and what do you want to serve? And what does that look like? That's also going to start revealing the next layer out of this format, which is your cause and, or the why, the cause or the why of our who, what, what's the, maybe the wrong that I want to write in the world in some way, or what do my customers, my ultimate marketplace, what do they care about the most? And sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they might not be where it's like, Hey, I care a lot about like Bombas, right? Like the sock company. Yeah. We'll, we'll go back to them. Not everyone cares about homelessness to the extent that they might, or that they were drawn to it to start a whole business around it, but they so there could be another stock company that is for orphans or another stock company that's just for animals or whatever it is. And, and maybe it's completely disconnected from the founders and what do they care about, but it works really well when it's one and the same. And so that, and I always tell entrepreneurs, I'm like, whatever you care about, there's going to be other people that, that care about it as well. And, and there are ways to really integrate it really deeply. And, it, and it's not just defaulting to this one for one. There's other ways of oh, doing yeah. it where... We talk about like, how do you move from a transactional company to a transformational company to even transcending what business can be? And and probably the best way I learned the best by by models and examples and 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 other sort of case studies. And 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 so I love hearing about companies that do really innovative things and thinking about it. And I like at the transcending level, there's a company uh, that I feature in there and they do cross browser platform, like quality assurance testing and, and all sorts of like user interfaces. And what they did is they hired people on the autism spectrum scale, so on the neurodiversity scale, mm. because typically anyone who has that kind of neurodiversity is usually more attentive to details, more open yeah. to repetitive tasks. So it, it creates something, it creates a competitive advantage from something that would have been looked at as a disadvantage. And so I love that kind of thinking where it's like, all right, how do we use this, what could be perceived as a weakness into a, a strength? And, and then it makes their work even more powerful when they're introducing it to clients. There's another example that I love is this company called Pacific and Pacific is they're essentially a soup company. And, and so what they do is they take their unique talent. And so their talent is creating recipes. And so they work with a local food bank and that food bank gives them all their food for, at a certain point in time. And then the Pacific shuts down their production line for a month. So obviously pragmatically, it doesn't make sense because they're losing money by shutting down the production line. But what it does for the team is the team team comes over, they have creative ideas for recipes and all sorts of stuff to create non-perishable goods out of all the food that comes in from the food bank. And they've now mm. saved hundreds of thousands of pounds of food from this food bank. And so that everyone kind of thinks about, oh, I have to go donate money or I have to do, but there's all these levers that you can use in your business and then share with your customers or parents, your members, whatever, what you're doing. And, and sharing that story. And, and then that makes what you're doing even more powerful. It's so true. And I think what you said at the beginning there is so true that I think like when you are are creating your one-for-one -one model or whatever it is, I was going to like the Bomba Socks and you're comparing a Bomba Socks to another sock company, the companies that are going to win are the ones that are truly interested in just, they're so infatuated with making impact. You and I just chatted a little bit before of it doesn't matter how much we give, it matters about how passionate we are about helping the cause that we're trying to solve. And when we create a product for it, we're less passionate actually about the product and more passionate about the impact, where I think you'll see that stand out quite a bit with some of these companies that are going to maybe go head to head is when you're able to share your story with true genuinity and excitement and passion for the impact you're going to make, 
you're going to stand out a bunch. And I want to lead that into a little bit about the Maverick 1000. So it's obviously a, a very incredible group. So just touch on a little bit about what that is and why you created it, but then going deeper into some of the really cool projects that you guys are creating inside of it or what some of the entrepreneurs in there are actually creating. Sure. Yeah. So I started that about 15 years ago. And like a lot of entrepreneurs, you go through this journey of re-examining like what, what really matters. And we call it this, this stage three entrepreneur. Stage one is you jump out of the, the airplane and, and you're building the parachute on the way down. And then stage two is, oh, wow, this is working. And uh, you're making more money. You're getting accolades in some way. It's, it, and then at some point it, it flattens out. And then you have this opportunity of like, all right, now what? And now what is either you've fallen out of love with your business or you get, so you're either going to make a gigantic leap which is into this next stage or phase. And it's not the same thing that you did before because it's not going to feed your soul. I caught this cosmic alarm clock and it's, it's this little silent voice and it gets louder and louder until you either answer it or you hit snooze and hitting snooze is like, looks like golden handcuffs where you're like, I'm just going to go back into what I know works. And, and that's where I was. I asked a really simple question, which is, am I happy? Would I be happy doing what I'm doing 10 years from now? And outside looking in, making a lot of money, helping people, in the internet marketing, publishing space. And I was getting a lot of, I, I'd show up at an event and I wasn't even speaking there. And somebody like, dude, Yannick, you, you changed my life. I sell guitar lessons online now or whatever it was. And it felt great, but it wasn't like the ultimate. And it, it is. So when I sat down, I'm like, all right, what would it look like? And I, I drew these three interconnected circles, which I've since learned is called a Venn diagram. And so <laughs> this, uh, yeah, there's three interconnected circles. Originally, it was a dollar sign, a happy face, and a heart. And I'm like, mm. all right, you combine it all together. That's what a maverick is. And we since changed the, the dollar sign to uh, a tree to represent now it's, it's growth, impact, and fun. And, and but but it's a you know very similar principle. So how do you grow yourself? How do you grow your 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 business? How do you make a difference individually in your company and then collectively using our brain power resources? Yeah. And, and how do we have some fun in the process? Let's work on some serious issues, but not take ourselves too seriously. And so that's for the last 15 years. And as I've evolved, it's also evolved and changed. And we're in a bit of a new inflection point too of reinventing, like really doubling down, tripling down on what do we believe that we're really meant to be doing. And a lot of that is the impact side. And so you mentioned like some of the projects. My favorite is when we bring people together and we be like, when you bring really smart entrepreneurs together, they think differently. So these visionary entrepreneurs, they're doing whatever they're doing in their own spaces. But when you also hand them a challenge in some way, they're like, all right, yeah, let's get on it. There's a lot of energy there. And sometimes there's a lot of ideas that don't go anywhere. And sometimes we were able to harness it and, and turn it into something that's really powerful. Like one of my favorites was a couple of years ago on Necker Island, we actually brainstormed this idea of an old World War II ship. They So they found this ship a couple islands over and they're like, what do you think we should do with this? And then we, we so we, I love like also using the competitive nature of entrepreneurs. So I'll break yep. them off into teams and let them brainstorm together. And then they pitch us. So it was like, so it was like me and, and Branson. And I forgot who else was on the judging panel. And we pitched, they pitched these ideas. And one of them was an art reef. So it's creating it oh, in this cool. huge, gigantic crack on top of the ship. So sink the ship, turn it into an art reef. We'd have dive companies pay to bring guests there. And that would support the local like programs for uh, teaching swimming. And so there's all these multiple impacts. So it's also helping bring back giant Goliath groupers, I think is what they're called. Or maybe they're just called Goliath yep. groupers. So all this stuff. And they won. And Brand says, I don't think you can raise the money because some guy was going to actually ship that ship off for parts like the next week. I don't think you could raise the money to go do this thing. And, and so again, entrepreneurs like to be challenged. And so they <laughs> stepped up. We immediately raised $60,000 on the spot and negotiated for to get this ship back. 
And then we had wow. this old World War II ship. It was one of the ones from Pearl Harbor. And we and it took a year as a, a massive project. And, and we ended up sinking it the next year when we came back. And it was just incredible to see and now to continue seeing how it's become a dive attraction. And then the ripples of impact too, which I really love, which by the way is ROI. So a new way of thinking about ROI. Yeah. So these ripples of impact. So part of the core team actually started a nonprofit to sink other things like other ships and mm. other airplanes. And then they ended up, they did end up creating that that multifaceted way where dive companies would pay to help fund swim programs in the in the BBI. So that, that's one of my favorites where we had so many different groups come together. There was actually multiple charities that came together as well to be a part of that. That's amazing, man. And I just love hearing you speak about it because that's truly what I believe entrepreneurship is now. It's like, how do we stop trying to compete and how do we collaborate? How do we all come together and find a way to make a win and leverage our resources and together we can make a way bigger impact and support each other, especially when you add in these giving thoughts to it, where it's, hey, we're all coming together to A, make a better dive spot for people and raise money and make an impact. And it's like a win across the board. So it's like, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? And I love that you have a community that is purely based around that. I'm assuming it's probably just the most giving, loving group on the planet because they just want to see each other win. Yeah, they're a great group. It's like you peel back the onion, you're like, wow, this is a more interesting person. And they're very different, like different businesses, different backgrounds, but they all have that same, what we call Maverick DNA. So they all are interested in growth. They're interested in, in impact and they're all in different impact journeys in their own business. And, but they are but they are really open to what does that look like? And, and they yeah. want to do more of it because they realize that just drives their own personal meaning and they can put it into their business as well. That's beautiful. Something I want to touch on here before we jump into our giving round is just that you laughed at the mention of giving back or CSR or social responsibility or for benefit, for purpose. Uh, I would love for you just to, to rant on that for a few minutes of the millions of different terms that are out there and how we use them and, and what's important and what's not important. Because I know it confuses a lot of people when I say different social responsibility or CSR or for purpose or giving and everyone's what's what fill me in Yannick what's yeah, what so what's what the words right so our words really create our world so again I, I started as a copywriter and our words are so meaningful and important and you can tell so much about somebody when you listen to their words about what their beliefs are what their values are so much about it and so it's become I don't know mostly this cliche not cliche but it's become the standard be like all right giving back i'm gonna i'm gonna give back and there is there is a time and a place for let's call it giving back but think about what that implies so giving back implies that we've taken something so as entrepreneurs the only way we stay in business is to be value providers right unless you're running a monopoly or, or something like that like you're there's no coercion to buy and exchange goods products services with each other it's a, a value exchange and that's one of the beautiful aspects of capitalism. There are certain things that are not so beautiful about capitalism, but that's one of the most beautiful things about it. It's a value exchange. So if I'm providing you more value, then you're going to, you're going to, so for instance, I wrote in my journal, one of my very first journals when I was about 17 or 18, I get rich by enriching others 10X to 100X what they pay me in return. So I'm, I'm always thinking about what is that value exchange? And so instead of saying giving back, because that implies guilt, implies that we've taken. I like even just saying giving or, or impact, whatever you want to call it, because then it's much more pure in that way. Now, I think there are times to, to say giving back, and maybe you were the beneficiary of 
some sort of program or as a young person or whatever it was. And you're like, I really want to support that program again. And that is an opportunity for giving back in, in some way yeah. to be really explicit about what what words we're using and how we're saying it. So corporate social responsibility is another one of those. So it's, it, do I have this responsibility or like what feels better if it feels like I, I, I have a responsibility to do this or is it because I want to do it because I know it benefits every single stakeholder that's involved in my business. It's, it benefits me and it benefits my investors and benefits my customers and benefits my team and benefits my community. It's That's more interesting to me than CSR. Totally. Hit on a B Corp for a minute as well. So many, I've had quite a few people lately ask me about why aren't you helping people just get B Corp certified or things like that? Or 1% for the planet is another one. I know they're a little bit different in what they require, but what about some of these other programs that are out there? I think they're all great in their own way. 1% for the planet is a nice one where it's like 1% of your, I think, gross revenue yep. is your assigning to certain charities and anything that, that helps the planet in some way. So you get to decide. It's very flexible in that case. And then you get the benefit of being under this umbrella of the 1% for the planet, which was started by, by the founder of Patagonia, who's just a, a yeah. touchstone in, in, in this space and just really an incredible person in that way. And they've even changed their whole mission statement, I think, yeah. and just for Patagonia about that. I think something like their mission is the earth or something. Or I, I forgot how they said it now, but it's so meaningful. The, the B Corps, that's like a more extensive process where they're really evaluating different business practices, what you're doing. And it's, I think, a very powerful designation. And for it's, I think it's worth investigating it. And there's there's so many opportunities for doing good, for creating that impact. And what wherever you're most interested, you can incorporate it into your business in different ways. And where I get excited is where it, it really does become this win-win across the board. And so it helps you increase sales. It helps you with with gaining market share. It helps you with maybe new partners that you wouldn't have gotten in some other way. It helps, it helps you recruit the best people in the world because they're motivated by the bigger mission and so forth. And that, so that's where it's exciting to me. Yeah, I love all those. Uh, narratives. The only thing I have against a B Corp, for example, is that's just been set as the standard and people think I can't hit that standard. So I'm not going to give it all. And then you're like, no, it doesn't have, you don't have to go to that extreme. You can do something so much simpler of just donating uh, a percentage of revenue or volunteering your time or other things. And you can consider yourself an evolved enterprise by just doing those little things. You don't have to go all the way to that top accreditation of something like a B Corp. Yeah, there's Right. There's little, I think of them as like experiments or these little yeah. things that you can play with, right? So it doesn't have to be, all right, we're, we're going to donate all our revenue and into this one thing. Like you can be like, all right, we're going to do this launch for something or we're going to take this one product, this one service and be like, or even a moment in time and be like, well, let's do this one thing and see what happens. And, and but make it, make it exciting and make it playful or creative in some way. There's two sisters that I'm friends with who have owned a couple breakfast restaurants in the Pacific Northwest, mostly. And, and so I have a set of Oracle cards. It's called the Cosmic Journey Oracle deck. And it's really fun. And it has like little prompts and things like that. And I'm like, let's use the cards and create this cosmic egg sandwich because a lot of <laughs> cultures think about the universe was created as an egg. And they're like, okay. And I, I told them what my favorite breakfast sandwich was. And then out of that breakfast sandwich, they got a card. The, the server would deliver them a card. So it was like really fun. But then it was priced even higher. And then I think a dollar of that sandwich went to a local community project that they were supporting. So you can incorporate all sorts of things to make it exciting. And then you can play with it and be like, 
all right, you regroup. You're like, did this help us? Did we like it? Did the team get behind it? Did what happened before you maybe go all in in, in some way and just see? I need I need everyone to rehear what you just said about you're allowed to pivot and change. That's probably the number one thing I talk to and I consult people is that every single time, like I just don't know what I'm going to choose. My lifelong charity that my business is going to be attached to forever. And every it's like relax, Turbo. Just choose yeah. something to donate for the next three months to, and then you can change. You can pivot. Like you're not attached to this charity for life. You're not attached to this mission for life you're allowed to have some flexibility and have some fun with it and play with some of the messaging and be entertaining with it as opposed to just like people are so rigid around it. So I love that you just shared to have some fun with it. Yeah. And and think of it as a program, as an experiment, as a, yeah, as a, as a slice in time and, and, and see it's just like if you were, when you're 13, you probably didn't know what you were going to be doing when you're, (laughs) when you were 50 or how many pivots have you had or, or reinventions. And it's like, you, but there's usually a thread that when you start yeah. looking at it and there's that thread that of, of what is the most interesting thing that you can make a difference to. I, uh, I started challenging parents to donate like a hundred dollars a month, but asking their kids, what charity would you like to support this month and getting them on board for the sole fact that a kid's brain is so creative. They're going to start asking you like, I want to donate to, you know, the whales because I saw a whale out in the ocean the other day. And all of a sudden their parents are like, I don't know what's a whale charity. Great. Now what a cool exercise to go work with your kids, look up a different charity, find something that excites you. And their brain is going to show on what excites them and what doesn't. Maybe they like the photo of a nonprofit. Great. Let's just donate it there and just see what happens. And that's how you can start having fun, bringing your family in. And really just allowing your kids to have the creativity for where to donate because they don't really think about it. They're just like, I want to support whales. So let's just go support whales. Yeah, that's a great idea. And the same with like your team members, right? Like yeah. It could either be a committee that's formed around this, or you could literally put it out to everyone and be like, what do you think? And, and obviously there'll be a lot of different opinions, but you'll start seeing what generates energy and what has the most sort of interest. And, and, and there are different ways of playing with it too. Yeah, Yannick, we could literally talk for hours on this. And I want to make sure I respect your time and appreciate you coming on. And uh, I want to make sure we get through our giving round. So one of the things before I jump into that is I want to ask you, I ask all my guests this, but I'd love for you to just brag on one of your favorite moments of giving, something that still gives you goosebumps today or rings a, a memory bell for you when you think about it. That's oh, that was a really cool moment for me. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. I was going to say, you probably have thousands just being in the well, space. There's, there's but... some interesting ones for sure, because we we think about not just writing a check in some way and like, how do we make it uh, unique? I think the one that's standing out for me is connected to our conversation that we had before we got on, on air was about Haiti. And so for many years, we supported charities in Haiti. And the idea was we'd bring a group of entrepreneurs, everyone's paying to build a house. And then we create a whole self-sustaining village and usually some sort of microeconomic engine in there. Could be agricultural, could be at one point it was on on the water. So it was a fishing co-op. It all depends on what the resources are there. And and so we've been doing this for many years with one of my friends who I introduced you to, Frank McKinney, who's one one of my mentors and just this incredible guy who just truly walks his talk and yeah. and that's what really drew me to him originally and so frank just honored me by creating a village that was called the, the yonic silver maverick village and wow. it was, was yeah so meaningful and it's great in haiti you never quite know what you're going to get so the, the, like my name was misspelled in three different spots but it, it was great it was different versions in different places and then like this randy so i give a, a speech they had me give the i don't know a ribbon cutting kind of of speech 
And all these people show up because a they know there's gonna be a great meal, which yep. sure. And then it's like the quote unquote mayor of this town. It's way out somewhere, uh, and and we show up, and then everything has to get translated. And so I'm like, all right, well, what what can I say that's gonna be meaningful? I'm not gonna drag this on, but what can be like easy to translate? And I'm trying to explain that my mission is to catalyze the catalyst. And the way I explain that is I want to help people nudge people that are nudging other people or people that are just, I want you to be a, a nudger essentially. And, and so that was great. And then they said, and then I, I mentioned something about, and since it's the Yannick Silver Maverick Village, it's also okay if there's a little, little Yannicks or Yannickas running around. And they got a really big laugh and I didn't totally get it until afterwards, our, our translator and one of the guys that, that I've known for a while down there. He, I don't know why he never told me this, but his mom's name is Yannick. Oh, wow. Like, it's an older Haitian woman's name there. He never thought to tell me this. <laughs> and so they found it really funny in, in that way. That's amazing. That's so cool. And Frank's been an amazing guy. He was a guest on the show and is just so full of life. So I'm glad that he got to recognize you for all the work that you've been doing as well. And I got to have that memory forever of having those that place in Hades. Look, we're rounding out now. I, I want to go through our giving round. It's some rapid fire questions around giving, and I'm excited to hear your answers on them. Brag on one charity that you like. Uh, yeah, I mentioned them. Village Enterprise. I really love what they've been doing for so many years, and they're at scale now. They're getting, when I was working with them, they're, they were small-ish, but now they're really growing in scale, which supporting microenterprise and mostly East Africa and doing that kind of work. Beautiful. What gets you more excited, donating a million dollar check or spending a week physically helping somebody? I get excited by scale and leverage. And the million dollar check wouldn't excite me unless also had some aspects of what would that do that I knew that it would impact whatever, a thousand people in a certain way to maybe start a micro enterprise or, or something like that. As Frank McKinney taught me, ROD, return on donation. How do you take that million and turn it into 10 million? Exactly. Yeah. Who inspires you with their giving? Frank, for sure. Frank definitely does. We talked about Yvonne Chouinard from Patagonia, just in the way that he thinks about business. Certainly inspiring. I love looking at people who are not just like writing a check, but thinking about how do they use their entrepreneurial brain power to make that difference and, and get involved in, in that way too. Amazing. I love that. Do you think businesses start giving from the very beginning of their business or after they've had some success and a little bit of money in the bank account? Yeah, so I think that the old way, and, and so Richard Branson and I have had this conversation, the old way was you make a lot of money and then you spend the second half of your life giving it away or, yeah. or doing something in that sense. And, and the new way really is integrated. It's all together and it's, it might not be right for every single person, but to me, that's more meaningful. It's more interesting. And you can incorporate that into every aspect of your business. And you don't have to wait, right? So for instance, you're like, oh, my company's already started. I'll just wait till the next one. You can retrofit it. And, and so don't, wherever you are, you can get it going. I love that. What's the first thing you think of when you hear go big to give big? I think of you. Okay. <laughs> that, that's great. Big. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, again, we'll, we'll tune into Frank and he has, I, I think one of his rules which was, it's basically the more resources you have, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a giving person, the more giving you're going to be able to do. And so it's like, why keep yourself in this kind of box when you could be like this that has even more opportunity? 
Yeah, I believe you said it uh, to me, like you just being a good steward of of the mind, body and soul type thing, right? It's yeah. if you have the ability to go make more and the ability to go give more, then you should just be a good steward of your skills and go do it. Yeah, I mean, I've always said that money amplifies who you are, right? So if you're a real right. jerk and jackass, yeah. it just amplifies that. And and if you are 100%. a good steward or you're someone that wants to make a greater difference, then it's going to amplify that. That's amazing. Uh the final question I have for you today is uh, a, a one that I would, I'm, I'm excited to hear your answer for it compared to uh, maybe some of our other guests. But do you believe that money can buy you happiness? Yeah, in some ways, I, I think it can. Because if you don't have a certain amount of money, it's gonna it's gonna make life a lot more difficult. There's probably a certain level of financial foundation that that you really want. But then again, I've met people that, according to the economic scale of are very low on it and incredibly happy. So it, I think it money can buy what money can buy essentially, right? So I've had friends that that talk a lot about if you have a problem that money can solve, then you don't really have a problem. And but there's lots of things that money can't buy, right? Like it can't buy, it can't buy true love. It can't buy deep relationships. It can't buy, it can't buy honor. It can't buy trust. It can't buy the things that 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 money can't buy. That that is also a huge contributor to happiness. Yeah. Great answer, my friend. Like I said, I could probably chat with you for another few hours about this topic and we'll certainly have you back again on the show. But I want to give you a second now to just brag on where can people find out about the Maverick 1000 or brag on your book for a second. I just want people to be more exposed to who you are and the good you're doing in the world. Yeah, I appreciate that. Evolvedenterprise.com. They can buy a book along with a little special edition of it but or Amazon to check it out there. And then maverick1000.com is the the network that we're talking about for if you're a seven, eight, nine-figure entrepreneur who cares about growing yourself, who cares about making a difference in the world and having a bit of fun in the process. And then, you know, a little bit of brag, I guess, on the book is the 11 impact models. Like that's one of my favorite parts of it because it just has lots and lots of examples. And so it gets your mind thinking about, okay, there's more than one way of, of doing this and, and really having some fun with it. Amazing, my friend. Thank you again for coming on the show. I've absolutely enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing what we get to do together in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits.